Uh, thanks for what you did. Nah, I shouldn't have. Roy's right. Roy's always flipping right. It's annoying. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And what you said. So who's the lad you sent the photo to? It was a video. And I didn't send it. It was called Corey. Corey? That's a rubbish name. Yeah, well... Welcome to episode 102 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street Catcher podcast that wonders why Corey always goes with two members of the CID when it invariably means that one of them will never actually do anything. I'm Gavin. Oh. <laughs> and I'm here. Oh, that must be the worst adjective. That's <laughs> not, not even an adjective, is it? No. <laughs> oh. Representing Barely. our very best work. Barely here. Already. Barely here. I'm, I'm, I'm in the seat. It's quite achy the past couple of days. And mm-hmm. sore and... And I had a... It's winter again. Yeah. <laughs> it's chilly again <clears throat> and... It was really nice at the start of the week and then it's kind of gone... We've, we've gone back a step. I blame myself. We've gone back to March or whatever. I, I blame myself. I finally... On Wednesday, started my seeds. So this is a this is a new thing. So I think I think that's I think it's all my fault. I started these seeds so that even if there's a vegetable shortage in the in this in this summer, we'll still have some fresh veg and a meager amount. I don't know. Well, the pots aren't very big. Yeah, but the, the plants will. There's like five or six seeds per. Per pot, and then I'll spread them out when I actually plant them in the ground later on. What ground are you going to plant them in? I don't know yet. Uh, we don't have an awful lot of ground that isn't grass. Right. Well, I'd have to pull up the grass. But I'm, this is never going to happen. <laughs> This is never going to happen. Well, Stella and I had initially planned on um, weeding out the the bit of garden that we have bordering and the backyard along the uh, along the uh, the fence thing that that shades our our little porch seating area so that our nosy neighbors can't watch us while we while we sit and drink booze and read books <laughs> in the middle of the summer. Um, I like that wee spot. That's my favourite spot. I like falling asleep there. <laughs> yeah. It's nice falling asleep outside. But, you know, now it's it's a little too chilly to be out there pulling up grass. Oh, at the you moment. know, it's overrun with grass because mm-hmm. we've been very bad about weeding and stuff. So, we'll see. We'll see. I mean... What vegetables are we growing? We have peas and tomatoes and peppers. I don't know if it's warm enough to grow tomatoes out there, is it? Even in the summer. It will be in the summer, yes. Lots of our friends grow tomatoes. I grew tomatoes back home. Yeah, if it's if it's warm enough in Scotland, and it's the, warm enough in Michigan. But we had a little greenhouse and we, we grew them in there. 
Oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being a greenhouse at your mom's. Oh, that was long gone. <laughs> Ach, well. Ach, well. Ach, well. Oh, it's been a funny old week. It <clears> has. I think this is week, eight. is this week eight? I don't or even week nine? remember. I think we finished up work around about the 13th of March, I want to say. So that's coming up for two months then. Oh, let's see. The last time, like, I remember really being out-out was our last cookie booth. And we ended cookie booths a week early. And I remember it distinctly because we were supposed to be right outside the Walmart and the Walmart manager said he didn't want us out there. Oh, I remember that guy. And it was like... He was a dick. Oh, no, this is a different one. Oh, I, I guess Walmart has no shortage of dick managers then. <laughs> and yeah, this was... Uh, and um, and so we... Our, our cookie mom, Diane, who's awesome, she called the tractor supply company... And they said, yeah, it was fine if we wanted to set up in their parking lot. So we set up in their parking lot that mm-hmm. faces the Walmart, Walmart parking yep. lot. So, and that was our, our very last day. And we had initially said that we would take the girls out to see Onward. And then we, we rethought that and said, maybe it's not a good idea to go to a movie theater right now. And so we just came home. And that was like the last time because we had gone to Meyer to do our big grocery shopping like the day before after the cookie booth and that was just horrifying as well remember that <laughs> yep uh you know people just buying whatever they could get their grubby hands on and and that poor cashier with his hands shaking cuz he was like in his 70s oh god <laughs> yeah I, I remember having uncharitable thoughts about <laughs> yes you about did about the quality of the service we had that day <laughs> That poor wee old well, man. You want, uh, You're so sympathetic to wee old ladies, but you don't have any sympathy for the wee old men. Dirty old men. <laughs> dirty. Just, what does this mean about you, Begaff? <laughs> I'm a dirty old man in training. <laughs> I had a team meeting uh, late on Friday. We, we have a an hour put away at the end of the week just to... Right. Just to... Decompress. Decompress, gather our thoughts. Defrag. Complain to each other about how shitty your week's been. And then we play the birthday <laughs> game where I read out the name of 10 celebrities who've got a birthday this week and right. my teammates guess the guess age. ages. And it's actually right. it's an awful lot of fun and it takes about 45 minutes to get through. That's very sweet. But we were talking about Walmart in that meeting and I can't remember who it was who said, I think it was Nathan, had said that his wife had said, had come home from Walmart and said, Walmart is where. The herd will be thinned because yes. nobody is taking any notice of anything no. in Walmart. No, I mean they're supposed to now. You know, you're not supposed to go, be allowed into places like that without a mask. But the QD's got a sign outside that says "Don't come in without a mask," and there's people inside without masks getting served. And there are cashiers behind the register without masks, or who keep on taking their mask down to speak to people and put their mask back up again. That works. <sighs> <laughs> Why are people so stupid? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah. This is why we get our groceries delivered now. <laughs> but even when we went to the grocery store that's in town, people were, were far more uh, aware of the 
the situation and the advice and the instruction that they were getting. Even and when I went to Merendorf, we've got this little butcher that's about 10 miles away or something like that, in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, next to Dinnerstate. And it's just off the side of the road, like you'd right. expect a gas station to be. And they're wonderful. You you walk in there, there's a guy that opens the door for you, mm-hmm. that has a mask on and has right. gloves on. He opens the door for you, coming in and going out. Right. They've got their little arrows going around the store that right. are all six feet apart. All the staff, all the people that are working behind the scenes and mm-hmm. the and the butcher, they've all got masks on, they've all got gloves on, and the right. place just smells like it's been cleaned in the last hour. Right. Every time somebody does the little chip and pin thing, mm-hmm. they wipe down the... Yeah. They wiped down the console. If Merendorf, a little family-run place, can make these changes, wh- why can't multinational this is tens why, of thousands of billion-dollar companies? This is why I think it's, it's best that that's, that that's what we do. We go to teeny tiny out-of-the-way places to get our things. First of all, because teeny tiny out-of-the-way places are still going to have things that we want or we need. Yeah. And also, it's easier for them, I think, to keep things clean. Fewer people are going in there, you know. And plus they need the money. Yes, absolutely, yes. We we would much rather support small businesses, small mom and pop shops in our area than the, than the big boys who really, who are going to survive no matter what. Right. Yeah. So that's our... Our public service announcement for the day. <laughs> Shop small. Every day is Small Business Saturday now. Right. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that big boy Cory news. Classic Cory episodes will be uploaded to the ITV Hub beginning on May 4th. So they have begun already. already. Fingers crossed that some of those will trickle onto BritBox as well, so I can watch them. Because I've got my... 1995 on, so it's not like classic, classic, but still. 25 years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can get it, but I'm not going to tell you how. (laughs) That sounds like me and toilet paper. Exactly. Every every time Ellen goes out, she comes back with more toilet paper. (laughs) There's people struggling to find it all over the place, and you always see me come back with a, with a couple of four mm-hmm. bags of it. Like, <laughs> Again, shop small. Shop small, people. Shop small. <laughs> <laughs> Our B day still hasn't arrived. Is what it May tenth yet? Is it the ninth. It's the ninth, so it's supposed to come shop. We did get an Amazon delivery yesterday, and I'm so fucking pissed. <laughs> Why? Because it was a five-pound bag of Tootsie Rolls. Who ordered that? Who do you think? <laughs> and a five-pound bag of Starbursts and like a 10-pack of, of Bubble Yum Bubble Gum. And I'm like, thanks, Pop-Up. Because <laughs> that <laughs> thanks, just means... Thanks for loading your grandchildren up on sugar when they have no outlet for it. Whatsoever during uh, these days. It just means that the, the floor becomes composed entirely of Tootsie Roll wrappers. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, fucking hell. No, I ordered this B-Day like at the start of this. Yeah. Because I thought, 
what better way to get through this paper, the uh, toilet paper crisis than, than by getting in a bidet and getting this little attachment to the toilet so you can squish your arse. <laughs> we will still benefit from squishing our ass, no matter when, no matter when it decides to show up. But it's supposed. To, I think they were back ordered because everybody in America finally decided we're going to go French to to put aside their worries <laughs> that a bidet means that they're a whorehouse mm-hmm. or homo- and- or homosexual. Hoor House. <laughs> the bidet. Future of Hoor Houses the world over, according to Americans. Um, but you know. <laughs> I, I have to say, that hotel we went to that had a bidet. It was a holiday inn. A holiday inn. And you see it and you go, ho ho. Well. <laughs> a house I helped to clear out this summer had a bidet in the downstairs bathroom. Remember that? The, oh, yeah. The, the house with the solar panels and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Seems like a nice family has moved in there. That's good. Anyway. anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's a long tale from you can now get classic Corey on ITV Hub. How did we? <laughs> Toilet paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sue Cleaver, a.k.a. R. Eileen, has celebrated her 20th anniversary on the show this week. Congrats to her, and here's to many more Eileen Smash scenes in the future. Eileen Smash. Eileen Smash. <laughs> we do love the Eileen Smash. It's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And now, for an update on Operation Cory Lockdown Hair. Dum dum dum. We need some music what? for this. We oh. need some music for Operation Cory Lockdown Hair. <laughs> well, I need I need at least twenty four hours notice. <laughs> Lizzie Fallon has joined Sue Cleaver in dyeing her hair pink, which gets a thumbs up on Instagram by fans and cast members alike. It's Charlie DeBello going, yes, 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 in the comments. And I don't know if that mean if, if that was an orgasmic yes, 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 or if it was a uh, world, uh, WWE wrestler. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. No, don't speak of him. <laughs> I hate that guy. You do hate that guy. Uh, I saw a, a photograph of, oh no, it was uh, Matt Lucas out of, off, off Little Britain is and doing Doctor Who. Uh, a baked potato song. Oh, about his head. And then protect to mm-hmm. NHS and all that sort of thing. And they get celebrities to, to sing along with them. Right. And they got like, I think six or seven members of the Cory cast to, like Emma was doing it. Oh. And then, Simon Gregson, who plays Steve, mm-hmm. he was one that, and he's shaved his head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, finally. Because <laughs> he's had that little widow's peak thing for about as long as I can remember. Yes. And whenever he cuts his hair, it always looks so severe. Right. I, I don't like it when Steve cuts his hair. Just get rid of all of it. Yeah, that was, that was definitely the way to go. Definitely the way to go. Thank you, Big Potato. Mm-hmm. He probably shaved it all because he was down with the sickness. So, oh, maybe. Yeah, it looks well now. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yes, seems like he's recovered, which is good. What's that, Corey News? And that's Corey News. <laughs> Our mailbag. We've been blessed with such a an uplifting and <clears throat> just overall lovely mailbag this week. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to you just before we started, I don't know. How I feel about 
reading some of it out because it's kind of like self-aggrandizing and you're like nope that's fine i said <laughs> fuck it read it out i'm american i like to hear praise american america well first of all we hear from uh our friend of the podcast john yeah says that i agree the big story is so infuriating that they've gone down the victim being accused route if you put everyone's doubts together, Sally, Eileen, Cathy, and especially Alia, then it all makes sense that she's been controlled. But of course, they want to string it out. Maybe lockdown will force the producers to curtail that line somewhat. And personally, I'm hoping that the hidden camera is found or someone checks Tim's fucking dad's phone and finds the app with footage of how he was attacking her before she bottled him. I hate how they've made Peter so gullible. And thanks for a minute that Yasmin is an alchemy just on Tim's fucking dad say so. They really need to finish this storyline off ASAP if they do indeed want to put across the important message about coercive control. Absolutely. I think that's where we were on yes. this last week. And I was I, I was a little heartened by the fact that they did bag up his phone. Did they? Yeah. However, it doesn't seem like they're doing any sort of investigating except for, you know, interviewing two people and not doing any other investigation at all. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, don't worry. Oh, God. New correspondent Sally wrote in, Loving your podcast, I'm listening from Edmonton, Canada. I haven't watched Corey in ages because I can just listen to you guys and not get pissed off at Tim's dad watching <laughs> it on TV. Stay healthy and keep it up. Thank, Thank you, you, Sally. Sally. And then new correspondent Sam got in touch. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> Thank you for continuing to record your podcast during the pandemic. I used to listen on my commute to work, but now I'm setting aside time every week to listen because I love it so much. And, Aww. I, and I don't commute anymore since I lost my job. Oh, so sorry to hear that, Sam. That's awful. Fingers crossed you get something much better in yep. the future. Keep it up, she says. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank you. We're awesome. <laughs> well, Everything is awesome. Not anymore. Uh-oh. Oh, no, just just because you started dancing, that was all. Oh, I, I thought you were going to read something out that was very highly critical of us. No, something nice as well from... Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> from John, who's written in before, from New Zealand. Hello, Gavin and Helen. Hope all is going well. Still listening to and thoroughly enjoying the podcast each weekend. You're a great team. Looks to me like the denouement of the Tim's dad and the Yasmin saga will not be Tim's fucking dad going through the bacon slicer, unfortunately. Uh. It's got to be Yasmin banged up on remand for a while, everything looking bad for her, and then jiggle at Jeff playing the victim with Tim the simpleton waiting on him hand and foot. Then the video footage will miraculously be found just as a stiff prison sentence looms. That will show jiggle at his true colours and will also allow Yasmin to see how she has really been treated and recover her self-respect. All the best, John from, and then he writes his, his town name and then scores it out. It's just just the New Zealand. Yes. I think it was Pukekohe. Thank, Thank you, John. Um, yeah. yeah, New Zealand. That's the place to be. That's the place to be in lockdown. Yeah. We have friends in New Zealand and, you know, it, it's nothing but praise for their prime minister there. Yeah. To have had like five deaths or something like that right yeah. and, and they'll be going back to normal i guess pretty soon yeah much sooner than us i wonder if they keep the borders closed i think you'd have to wouldn't you it's fairly easy to keep the borders of new zealand closed aren't, aren't they well yes being hmm. an island and all mm-hmm. and small although um neil gaiman was able to fly back to the uk from new zealand last week when he and amanda palmer split up so I guess you can still fly out from New Zealand. I saw a photograph of a, the inside of a flight. I think it was a, I think it was a British flight. Mm-hmm. It just looked normal. No masks. 
No masks, everyone just sitting regular regular seating. Where were they going? I think into Britain. From? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> the, the, story kind of, the story kind of falls to pieces a little bit for that. Yeah. don't remember. My memory for the last two months has been shocking. I don't know if it's just something about being... You need some vitamins. Being in this, this environment. Right. Or, or the kind of continual panic that I feel. Not an awful lot of stimulation going down weird rabbit holes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, it's just playing havoc with my memory. I'm like forgetting meetings minutes after they happen. This is one of the reasons why I kind of want to reinstate family family game night once a week to kind of stimulate our brains a wee bit. More than the movies. Yeah. You can still get uh, you can still mail stuff internationally. Which I find very interesting. In fact, I have to mail out a couple of saucers to Glasgow oh, really? today. Hmm. Some lady from Glasgow bought two saucers from me. There were no cups? No. Those fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight corner. <laughs> a bloop, 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 bloop. Last week, I wondered if Olivia Dabo, is it Dabo or Debo? Let's go Dabo, D-apostrophe A-B-O, was in a Bond movie, or if it was her sister. And it wasn't her. It was Miriam Dabo, but she isn't Olivia's sister. It's her first cousin once removed, apparently, which is quite incredible, because they look pretty much like sisters. But there's eight years between them. The Bond movie in question was The Living Daylight, starring... I don't fucking care. Timothy Dalton. And Olivia was formerly engaged to... I don't fucking care. Julian Lennon. I don't know why that's interesting. Just I feel like it's interesting. The, the, the more boring of the two Lennon boys. I still think this is way too late. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome very much. Welcome very much. Welcome to last Welcome year tonight. With me, John Oliver. <laughs> Just enough time to quickly talk about my name Emu. Do you remember that? My name Emu. I, I remember vaguely. This was Norris's wife Frida. Oh. Misreading Amy's sign language when Amy was telling us what her name was. Oh, that's right. Okay. I was Gavin, and you had a kidney stone. Oh yeah, right. That was awful. I'm so glad. I, I'm, I'm so glad not to have any sort of weird physical ailments going on right now, except for our, you know, seasonal allergies. I can't imagine going through what I went through last year around this time. I remember getting a text from you at four o'clock that said, "Get home." No, it said, "Meet me at the hospital." Meet me at the A and E or the emergency room, mm-hmm. and that's all you said. Like, I'd appreciate a little context. So high tail. I drove it. myself, even though they offered me an ambulance. High tail it to the hospital. I get there before you. You do. <laughs> yeah. it's like, what the fuck's going on here? I was in so much pain. I couldn't. I could. I wasn't thinking straight. I passed right by the garage for the hospital. And then we sat and we waited for like ever seven hours. It was. It was awful. We got home in the wee hours of the God, morning. I cannot imagine an emergency room right now. Can you? Yeah. Oh, and that place was the scariest place on earth. 
the first time I've ever gone into a hospital and had to go through a metal, a metal detector. detector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the best week for us, either in real life or on the show. But Steve from Birmingham sent us a box of British chocolate biscuits. Yes, he did. We were a year old, so I guess we're two now. This was Asha's first date with Corey, but Amy was there eating poppadoms, and it turned out that Corey was far more interested in Amy than he was in Asha. He then leaves Asha with the bill. Right, and now so he's that's that guy. far more into Asha than he is to Amy. Isn't that funny how that, it works that, that way? That's that that's guy. That guy. Yeah. Tim's dad was a wank, and his dumplings are tasteless, and he thinks Yasmin fancies Dev. So give her a hard time about that. Right, this is- so let's see. Let's see, for, for those following along. Tim's fucking dad has accused Yasmin of having a thing for Dev. Johnny. Peter. Is that it? Brian, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just naming random people now. The Peter one was particularly ridiculous. Absolutely. The Ryan, Bethany and Alia storyline was a thing. And in a truly awful scene, Frida gives Mary a fright. She throws a nerd of ashes in the air and then runs out of the house screaming. Oh, yeah. I hated that. And then we find out that it was Frida's dog. Was it? It was the ashes of Frida's dog. <laughs> Carla goes mental and runs away, and Robert has a secret meeting at a hotel. Moment of the week was the head-to-head between Robert and Carla sitting against the red wall, and the boring moment of the week was Norris asking Frida what the coloured dots on his stuff meant. And that was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street this time last year. Shall we dive in, Medea? 24 minutes. Yes, please. As we get the 24 minutes, we talked about nothing. <laughs> talked about toilet paper and bidets. We did that a lot, I guess. <laughs> so, when we were originally watching these episodes this week, I thought there was the Tim's fucking dad storyline, and there was just everything else. But I've kind of managed to turn them into, I think, four separate storylines. Right. The first story is the last story. So the second story is Gary's inappropriate fascination with Kelly the Chin. <sighs> On Wednesday, Sarah and Adam are back. Yay! That was an exciting honeymoon, I guess. I can't even remember where they went because they don't talk about it. No, they don't have tans. They're they're back. Well, they're back. But nobody's like, oh, how was blah, blah, blah? No. Nobody asks. It's always got a taxi back from the airport. Nobody ever meets anybody at the airport. No. It's kind of cold and distant, if you ask me. He goes off to see Daniel and she goes in to uh, get the gossip from Gail. And on the street, as uh, Adam's walking, he... And Gary stared each other down. Then Sharon shows up at the furniture thing, which I think Adam saw. Yes, yes he did. She knew that Kelly the Chin was now living in the area, but didn't <laughs> think to tell Gary. He talks her into trying to find Kelly's mum as having her here and talking about Rick the Chin isn't great. She'll do it, but she's not doing it for Gary, she's doing it for Kelly. And Kelly's also getting an award at this stupid community volunteer thing that's yeah, happening. Yeah, what the fuck, Mary? Giving this little bully an award... For overcoming adversity. That makes no sense. Because her mom disappeared, but she bullied Asha? That's bizarre. It's the weirdest thing ever, and I don't understand it. We never, thank God we never see her get this award. Right. We just hear Max's boring speech. But. (laughs) We only hear the end of Max's boring speech. Maybe maybe all the gold was loaded in the the, the first half. On Friday, at the back of the room at the award thing, Paul is not happy to learn that Kelly's staying at the flat and he calls her a sex offender. Which, which is true. Which uh, Billy poo-poos. Paul thinks that she's got to go. That's right, Billy. Poo-poo. Poo-poo a victim of, mm-hmm. of, of sex offence. 
But credit to Paul, he's not putting up with this and he says, yeah, you know us victims, always so dramatic. Then Gail turns around from the front and shushes them. Yes, that was funny. <laughs> in the rovers, Billy's trying to note a distinction between what Kelly the Chin did and what Kelly the Pedo had on his laptop. Yeah, well, imagine that it was summer, says Paul, who was in the video. And yeah. Billy seems to come round to this. Paul says Kelly isn't their responsibility. What about that Sharon Lassie? And Billy will quiz Summer about that later. And all this is overheard by Gary, who's sitting in the neighbouring booth. Yes. Gary's at home listening to My Way. Regrets, I've had a few, says Gary, basically saying that he regrets next to nothing what, <laughs> what Nigo Frank Sinatra had. Who doesn't have regrets? And what's this leading to, says Maria, who suspects something immediately. <laughs> <coughs> Gary starts talking about Ash and Kelly and how Kelly might wind up on the street. He feels bad for both of them and Maria isn't interested. Kelly ain't staying here, she says. So Gary resolves to have a word with Billy. Adam goes into the rovers and asks Ryan for some exposition information on Ali. Adam didn't know that he'd left. Yep, says Ryan, Ali has pled guilty to assaulting Gary and has skipped town to Liverpool where he's staying with his friends. And Adam says, what? Then Gary... Bo- yeah. Adam says, what? Perhaps realising that he's partly to blame for this. What was that all about again? See, that's my memory. Remember, Adam Adam worked out the fact that Allie and Maria had had, had, had uh, oh. gotten it on mm-hmm. and let it, let it drop. And that's how all of this fighting between Allie and Gary... Got started all over again. Because Ali beat Gary up. Yes. Because Gary's a supervillain. Yes. You have to keep on reminding yourself that Gary's a supervillain. Right. Because it's not, it's, it's never apparent. Right, because <clears throat> he's ginger. <laughs> not just because of that. Gary bumps into Billy and Paul outside the pub and says it's great what they're doing looking after Kelly the Chin because she's had such a hard life. Don't give up on her, please. Paul looks pissed off at this, and he walks around the corner, and there's Kelly at the bus stop, ready to go home. She's got her bags packed. She says that she'll be fine. Paul tells her to stay, so long as she works her butt off to make up for what she did. And yeah. she agrees. So, Paul very quickly changed his mind. I don't think he's necessarily <sighs> changed his mind, but he also doesn't want Kelly to come to harm and then have that on his conscience as well. I don't know. Adam's at number eight looking up Rick the Chin on his computer. Sarah catches him and thinks that he's continuing his vendetta from earlier in the year. He promises that that's not what this is about. He says that Amy Amy took, uh, told him what happened to Asha and now Rick the Chin's daughter is living with Summer. He's just looking out for his cousin, he says. And Sarah seems to buy that. Yes. Yeah, because Adam gives two fucks about Amy. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Correct. Is the chin sprouting? (laughs) Are we finally going to dig him up? Well, Adam certainly is a dog with a bone about this. Mm-hmm. So he he knows. What does he know? He knows that that Sharon is ah uh, involved with Rick the Chin, right? And is now involved with Gary, and, and is now knows, involved with Kelly the Chin, and he knows that Kelly the Chin is Rick the Chin's daughter. Yes, because Amy told him that. This week? Yes. Yes, because he wasn't there last why, week. Why haven't I mentioned that in that storyline then? I don't know. Oh, see, I should have just kept it all as one. It's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she she mentions Kelly's last name because obviously she doesn't know who Rick the Chin is. And that he's a lone shark. And skeevy. But she mentions the last name and, and that, sets, that sets Adam off. 
Why does Gary not say anything to Sharon about the fact that the money that Sharon has been giving to Kelly's mom hasn't been used to pay for her high class education? And why is Sharon seemingly no longer concerned about the fact that she's no longer going to this high class school, which seemed to be like her number one priority when she got Gary to pay for the high class school in the first place? Right. And just seemed very, uh, very determined to make sure that Kelly was well looked after. And yet, she was going to be living on her own or living on the street. Right, and now all of a sudden she's coming to watch her win an award. Yeah, what's that all about? I don't know. I It seems like just a bullshit way to get Sharon back on the show so that Adam can see her. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Gary's behaviour is, is really erratic and weird and nobody's commenting on it. I did think it was funny though when Maria said, well, she ain't living here. Nope. And why do you care? She, she, she asked that as well, right? That flat is so pink. <laughs> Rose gold. It was, it was so funny seeing Gary listening to Frank Sinatra on a pink couch with pink walls. <laughs> it's like the most uber-masculine song, which they make fun of by saying, you know, it's everybody's dad's favorite song uh-huh. in such a uber-feminine <laughs> flat that clashes with his hair color yeah he might as well have been wearing a silk komodo it's so weird because like they're sitting there he's listening to it before maria shows up it's still playing while they're talking about it and then all of a sudden gary says well i don't even like this song in the first place well why'd you put it on right is he listening to the radio nope it didn't didn't sound like the radio you know it sounded like something on his phone or something that he's plugged into the stereo because he turns the stereo off. Oh, he's MIDI Hi-Fi. <laughs> Remember MIDI Hi-Fi's? No. You've got MIDI Hi-Fi. That's oh, what, is that, what, is that what you would call that? Mm-hmm. My record player? Right. Yeah. MIDI Hi-Fi's. They were all the thing, all the rage in the 80s. Yeah, I had one. And then in the 90s, I, I, we had this huge setup with like a 600 disc changer. 600 disc? Yeah. So you just push a button and it would just, you know, you just put it on random. Mm-hmm. And it would be like listening to Apple Radio now where you just like will get random songs and everything. But it was like this huge construction. We had like speakers on stands and then the the mixer and then the 600 disc changer. And I think we still had a record player as well and everything. And it took up like half the living room. Check out more space than the TV. Knowing your dad, color me surprised. This isn't my dad. Wasn't your dad? This is nineties. Well, late nineties, early aughts. Oh, this is John. Oh, <laughs> again, color me surprised. <laughs> Six hundred CDs. That wouldn't have been enough for my collection. <clears throat> oh well, lotty fucking dog. Our next storyline is Sleepy David. On Wednesday, David is up and at the washing machine and he pulls out a shirt that has, looks like it's been torn. Ripped. Yeah, right. it's something he's worn in a fight recently. Oh, is that what this is about? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that thing right. from a few weeks ago, when yeah. it, that was deliberate mm-hmm. and he's still doing it? Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Stupid story like that, isn't it? <laughs> David Fight Club, basically. Don't use the soap. So Gail sneaks up on him, giving him a fright. 
<laughs> He's using all the hair from the salon and boiling it down and making soap. Uh, yeah. He balls the shirt up and calls her a flaming ninja. She admits she's unnaturally stealthy. And then he runs a half-empty washing machine, which Gail calls a waste. Then in comes Sarah and Max, and Max is up to prepare a closing speech for the community volunteer outreach boring thing. Max is now quite grown up. It seems like over the past six months, he's gone from kid to full-blown teenager. Yeah, he's, he's taller than everyone, he's, isn't he? He's... he's Taller, he's you know he's lost the baby fat in his face and mm-hmm. everything. He looks like a, you know, like an actual teenager. Yes. And it seems he's, like it's just happened overnight. It's, it's amazing. Suddenly isn't it? he's twenty eight years old. <laughs> Max and David are at Roy's Rolls. Kids are always twenty eight years old in jokes. Okay. That's the law. Yeah, unless they're unless they're rock stars that died when they were twenty seven. Isn't it twenty seven? When all rock stars die, like uh, Janis Joplin and um, Janis what? Janis Joplin. Joplin. And um, Joplin, isn't it? And and Jim Morrison. Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain. This is all fascinating. Max and David are at Rose Rolls while Max practices his speech. David is either tired or bored or both. Sarah comes in to make sure David's going to the restaurant later. Both of them are keen on the calamari. Ooh, calamari. David gets home. Oh, I miss Calamari. Gail's on her way out and tells David not to be late because he's, she's booked this restaurant for after the speech to celebrate. Yes. Whatever. David is on the phone to Nick explaining that Max's bit isn't until the end, so in the meantime, he can barely keep his eyes open. And when he's done on the phone, he stretches out for a nap, and we all know what's going to happen, but it just takes two days for it to transpire. Uh-huh. But he wakes up late and doesn't get to the community centre in time to see Max give his speech, which was fairly boring. <laughs> The Platts get home later and Max walks up the stairs. Doesn't run up the stairs. This is further uh, evidence of Max's uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. He just walks up the stairs rather than running up the stairs. But he's clearly pissed off for David not showing up. Meanwhile, Gail's emptied the washing machine and has found his shirt. It's not salvageable, she says. And David wants her just to back off and she agrees, much to his surprise. Yes. She says, after everything that you've been through, yeah. you can cope with whatever. Yes. And she kisses his pow. And she advises that he gets an early night. That was lovely. That's I as like far as we that. get with that. So, I like that. Y- you've read this somewhere, or you're just assuming that David's Fight Club? What else would it be, Broom? Why else would he have a ripped shirt? And it's his collar, so somebody's grabbed his collar. Huh. What else would it be? Yeah, I don't notice the fine details, and I'm too busy typing, usually. So I miss things. You don't notice fine details <laughs> about things anyway. Don't blame the typing. Well... I'm a complex character. There are things in this house that, you know, only this past month you said, oh, where'd this come from? And I said, we, we've had this for like over a year. <laughs> where'd this come from? I will happily admit that if I've opened a cupboard and something doesn't fall into my hands, <laughs> it's officially lost. <laughs> this is very true. So is this all this rubbish of it's just so I can feel something? The whole kind of adrenaline thing. I guess. Because he he feels nothing. I guess. Although obviously he feels something for his family and stuff. I, I I think it's just a way to work through his rage at his situation without hurting people he actually cares about 
you know. But if he's doing this frequently, or relatively frequently, surely at some point he's going to come across someone who's going to kick the shit out of him. I don't know. And I don't, I honestly don't know how frequently it is. This shirt may be from that tussle he had a couple of weeks ago with the, with the baddies in the... Baddies. Who, who <laughs> tried to steal something from him or something. Because the way things are all spread out now, I don't really don't know what day it is. Yeah, it's really difficult to keep track. Right. 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 Yes. What's that? <laughs> don't start lagging. That was driving, <laughs> driving people nuts last night. <laughs> Watching Alien. What's that? Coming out of his belly. What's that? Oh. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Oliver's barmy. That doesn't really work. No, it doesn't. Because he's not barmy. He's, he's just a little slow. Slolliver? I don't even... I don't... Don't even dare. Slolliver work? No. 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 Let's let's not, shall we? I already have some misgivings about the way this is headed, which we'll get to. Well, there's only a, real, a couple of very brief scenes that happened on Wednesday. Yes. Steve sees Leanne and Oliver in Roy's roles. It's messy play at the community centre day. Woohoo! And Steve agrees to go along and apologises for the solicitor. Who's running the community centre now that Yasmin is in jail? And also crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's a lot Richard dead. Yeah, I heard about that this morning. Yeah, that's just I up. thought he was already dead, to I, be honest. I kind of thought so as well. And back at the R.I.P. Little Richard. <laughs> Should we dedicate this episode to the memory of love? No, let's not do that. Back at the flat, Steve sends Oliver off to get ready for a bath. Finally. Finally, we have somebody else going to the bath. I started yeah, that spreadsheet. He's like, three years old. He gets up to get, he, he drops him off in the bathroom, and then he comes back out to the kitchen. There's nobody supervising this child. That's what I thought. He's in run- the bathtub. Oliver's running his own bath? It barely has the energy to keep his head up. Chelsea doesn't even let Joseph run his own bath. <laughs> uh, Oliver's in a bit of a state after messy play. Apparently he's used his entire body as a paintbrush. Which is fine for a three-year-old. And also it seems like he's used Steve's shirt as a paintbrush, right. which I love. Leanne is concerned that he was the only kid who got in a mess. His key worker, he's got a key worker? His key worker has said that he isn't making these targets. He can't even hop. And Steve calls that genetics and more or less ignores the situation. I, I Three-year-olds are messy people. I seriously doubt... No other. Th- I seriously doubt all the other three-year-olds at messy play mm-hmm. were all being neat and tidy. No, because the whole point is to have fun getting messy. Getting messy. So yeah. Although you know the whole hopping thing, that you know that could be any number of things from an inner ear problem to, you know. There was a MS. bit earlier that I didn't mention when they were in Roy's roles where Leanne was complaining that. Oliver was continuing to want to be carried everywhere rather than walking himself. Cause right. He, yeah, we're laying the foundations here for there's something seriously wrong with this child. Right. And then Steve picks him up and Leanne's mad because Steve picked him up. Because mm-hmm. if you don't let him walk, then he's never going to walk. I am afraid that the way the show, that what the show is doing is laying the groundwork for something like autism and... 
And I, think I really hope not. I think it's far more serious than that. Yeah, I hope so, because like the way they're talking... You hope like, it's more serious than autism? <laughs> I have yet to see a movie or TV show that really gets people on the spectrum right. So I would just hate to see Corey... Rain Man? Yeah, let's just not get into. Oh, how really? You don't awful like Rain, Rain Man? Is. Really? Because he won an Oscar for that. Yeah, I know because people win Oscars for for playing people with disabilities. Look at look at Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. playing. What's his name in the chair? What's his name in the chair? <laughs> you know the guy with the, the guy in the chair <laughs> with the big brain, who's now dead. Professor X. <laughs> Not a real person. Uh, Stephen. I'm just thinking of Stephen Hawking. Yes. Professor Stephen Hawking. Yes, Professor Stephen Hawking, the guy in the chair with the big brain. <laughs> You're not the only one who's having problems with memory. That's what he had written on the back of his chair, apparently. <laughs> Property off. <laughs> the guy in the chair with the big brain. Daniel Day Lewis. He was another one. Oh, uh, yeah. My left, uh, my left foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know a lot about movies. <laughs> wouldn't go that far. But yeah, I on mean, this evidence, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I mean, Rain Man, you know, it made it seem like everybody on the spectrum is like was a savant, right? Is a savant of some kind and has to be institutionalized and can't survive on their own, and and talks weird and stuff, and like pretty much every other autistic person in TV and film from then on has been a savant. And like I mean, that, like that awful show with the, you know, that the whole, the whole purpose of the show is they have a surgeon with autism who's like young and a savant. Doogie Hauser? No, not Doogie Hauser. <laughs> oh, my mate that's still on. <laughs> I think, I think Neil Patrick Harris has moved on to bigger and, and brighter things. What about Sheldon? See... Um, what's his name is always the, 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 the guy who made the show. What's his name? He also made a... Stephen Hawking. No. <laughs> the guy in the chair who made the show. <laughs> no. He also made a... Uh, Lorne Yeah, something. Lorne, not Lorne Michaels, because that's uh, SNL. But, um, he's always insisted that Sheldon was not autistic. But... No, well, he's wrong. Yeah. Sheldon was obviously on the spectrum somewhere. Even though he would constantly say that stupid line about, I'm not abnormal, my, my mom mother had me tested. tested. Mm-hmm. It's just so bad. Anyway, enough mm-hmm. about bad depictions of autism in film and TV. <laughs> yeah, I think because Oliver had that seizure. Right. Which they ran tests and never got the test results back. I, I don't think this is going to be an isolated incident. No, no. I'm just, I, I guess my concern sprang from the fact that he's not meeting his, meeting his touchstones and the fact that he's not like the other kids and that he seems to be falling behind. He seems to be regressing, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, which also, you know, we don't want to give the anti-vaxxers any fodder either. But anyway, hopefully it's something much more serious and deadly than autism, which is not which is not deadly. And there are lots of lovely, high functioning people in this world who are on the spectrum, and 
deserve better representation in movie and film in movie and tv in film and tv <laughs> off my soapbox now let's get on oh, to something else can't wait to read the mailbag next week <laughs> our penultimate storyline is asha's latest horrible storyline oh but this was i liked i liked asha's storyline this week it was it was good most of it i think this is where they crammed all the joy of the week was into this yeah. second half of the storyline yeah. On Wednesday, Mary and Dev are in Roy's roles. Poor Asher, she's barely leaving the house these days. Mary wonders if she can do something to help he- ease her going back to school. And Roy was going to ask Asher and Amy to help out providing teas for these stupid awards that's been going on all week. And De- Dev thinks this is a capital idea. Then Nina privately asks Roy what the deal is with Asher anyway. And Roy says it's not really his place to say. But Nina's picked up enough to piece it all together. Right. Well, she thinks it's just a picture. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised nobody else has spilled to Nina. The way people gossip on that street. Because everyone else knows. Seriously. Nobody tells the goth anything. (laughs) Back at Dev's, Asha and Amy come downstairs. Asha agrees to help with Roy. So Asha, Amy, Dev and Mary are all heading to Roy's roles and there's a group of lads winding Asha up outside. One of them claims to have it all in the bank. The wank bank. Yeah. Clothes, he says, with his eyes open. No clothes. He says, with his eyes shut. Yeah, and he does this right in front of Asha's dad. Mm-hmm. How ballsy is that? Right. I'm surprised Dev didn't lamp the kid. Kids these days. I would have lamped the kid. I would have said, shut the fuck up, and punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. But Dev doesn't do that. No. Nina, I- Nina, though, she comes out, realizes what's going on, calmly takes off her fingerless glove, and punches a wee perv in his face. Apparently breaking his nose in the process. Yay! All this is captured on somebody else's phone. Ha ha ha. So how the, how the tables have been turned. Woohoo! Mary assesses the situation. It's not broken. It's just, it's just bust. So Kelly walks by and Dev gives her another piece of his mind. Then Gary shows up and intervenes, stepping between Kelly and Dev. And she rushes off saying that she doesn't need his help. And then Sharon shows up out of the blue and calls after Kelly, chasing her down the street. And all this is observed by Adam. And Adam goes to Amy to ask her for some exhibition, exposition about Kelly. And Amy says her name's Kelly Nealon and her dad's abroad in business. Thanks, Amy, exposition, says Adam, and goes about back, back, back to his, old, back to the back other to story his own storyline. <coughs> this was a terrible week for this. For the I, exposition? I, no, just for... I, I know why they do it, because it's nice and clever mm. and it, it forwards on more than one storyline, but when they have their little strands and their strands all intersect and then split off again. It it, makes your job harder, and that's the only problem with it, let's be honest. It makes the job of a Cory podcaster, note taker, (laughs) a bit of a pain in the arse. It's fine for the rest of us, though. (laughs) So misunderstood. In Roy's roles, Asha's pissed off at Dev and sends him and Mary home. She just wants to forget it. And along comes Nina with her hot chocolate. They're never going to forget it, says Nina, so just own it. It happened, it's your body, and those wee pairs were never important to you anyway. Nina tells Asher to be beautiful and strong, and she seems to have made a connection with Asher. Yes. And privately, Roy praises Nina for her speech, but thinks that she could have come from a higher moral position if she hadn't decked that wee shit earlier. <laughs> Thanks, Roy, moral centre of the show. Right. On Friday, back in Roy's roles, Ash and Amy are cleaning up. 
Asher isn't ready to leave, so Amy goes home on her own. Asher thanks Nina for what she did. She asks who the lad was. Corey, says Asher. What rubbish name, says Nina. I love that. I love that she said that. I love it. Corey, what a bad name that is. <laughs> Nina says Asher shouldn't need people to tell her that she's beautiful. And later, Deb's at home when an envelope is pushed through the door. A manila envelope, I mm-hmm. want to say. And it's addressed to Asher. Without much hesitation, Dev opens it up and pulls out what looks like a large photograph. And I think we're left to think, oh, oh is this? Yeah, because he seems to kind of tear up and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, please don't. This has got to be something horrible. But then later on, he goes upstairs and drops off the envelope with Asha and he pretends that he hasn't opened it. She takes it into a room and opens it up and pulls out a picture, which is a portrait of Asha. Yes. Done by Nina. Very lovely. And back at Roy's Rolls, Nina is now sketching Roy. As mm-hmm. he cleans down the, the counters. And he's doing a quite good job of that as well. The Roy one was better, I think. Maybe the two. Eh, I, I like them both. Mm. So. And Asha really loves the portrait. Because it's very lovely. Well done, Nina. She's just made everything okay. Right. <laughs> wearing wearing her Spanish widow's bonnet. <laughs> what was is... it? Roy quotes something at her. Yes. And she thinks it's Milton. And, and it's, it's wild. And it's Oscar Wilde. And she goes, Victorian. Oh, and Victorian too. You, you had to get me well, Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad Nina's on the show now. Yep. She's settled she, in quite nicely. She, she and Evelyn are my two favorite things. The way she popped up and scared the shit out of Steve. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a member of the Adams family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole cape headdress thing. Yeah, it's like a lace headdress over her hair. Yeah, that it's was like the two roses on that side. That was a new addition because she's still wearing a little peony with the with, <coughs> with skulls, the skulls on, on it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I used to have a a doll that my dad got me from Spain that had a headdress similar to that on it. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, does this close this chapter off? kind of feels like it a little bit uh, it feels like it's 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 getting there we still need to see asha go back to school mm-hmm. and what that is going to be like i think i think this is with with the inclusion of nina i think we're we're seeing asha come to a point where she's going to start building some self-confidence mm-hmm. and everything yeah that advice that she gave her about uh Owning it. Mm-hmm. It's really the only thing she can do. Right. She has no choice. She has yeah. to do it. But nobody's told her that yet. Right. Everyone's just... Trying to protect her. And mm-hmm. oh, poor Asha. Oh, poor Asha. Like, Whereas Nina's wrap like... Wrap her in bubble wrap and stuff. Look, you know you're beautiful. It's your body. Own it. Own it. This is not going to... You know, everybody else is like, oh, well, they'll forget in time. And Nina's like, nope. <laughs> not going to help. Not gonna happen, and she's right because even if they can get it shut down off of that, off of porn bub, <laughs> <laughs> we're running with that. It's it, it'll just pop up somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what happens, and eventually things kind of fade, and then in the end, you know, you can own it and kind of laugh about it. And look at um, um, Stormy Daniels or um, Monica Lewinsky. Who are just both hilarious mm-hmm. on the Twitter and kind of owning their infamy. You know, nobody's yeah. ever going to forget. No. 
but you just you own it and you use it to strengthen your position and and you move on. Right. Yeah, it took Monica Lewinsky quite some time to come to that yes. conclusion. Yes. She was interviewed by John Oliver on last week tonight. Mm-hmm. She came across so well. Yeah. It was just a, she just loves banning people on Twitter. She, right, it's an, yeah. It's an empowering act. She's like, yeah. it's, it's like good for you, Hen. It absolutely is. Good for you. <laughs> you know, and then you just move on, mm-hmm. you know, and more power to her. Yep. I hate Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, that's for the, that's for the politic podcast that yeah. we don't do. Linda Tripp died of coronavirus. Who did? Linda Tripp. She was the woman that uh, got Monica to you know, secretly taped her confessing that she'd done the deed with Bill Clinton. Oh, good then. The ugly, horrid woman with the glasses. I don't think I know who she is. And Monica Lewinsky was very lovely when she died, saying, you know, she sends sympathy to the the family and not the way she wants anyone to die or anything. You know, she was quite gracious, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Monica Lewinsky, American hero. Was it that Lemmy does... Anytime someone dies. I don't know. You're the one who watches Lemmy. He he posts on Twitter. I met whoever once at a charity do. Mm-hmm. They were uh, surprisingly funny and down to earth. Uh-huh. And he posts that about whoever it is. And he's never met any of them. But so, <laughs> not, so now this is how some people learn that people have died. is through, through Lemmy saying, through saying that lying that he's met them. They were surprisingly funny and down to earth. <laughs> no matter who it is. I wonder if he said that about Little Richard yet. I'll have to check. I don't know if he still does it. I need to check. He used to do it. It was hilarious. <clears throat> he was on Rahul last week. Rahul Fantastic. Anyway. Anyway. <clears throat> all this is fascinating. Our next, our final storyline tonight. Oh. Tim's fucking dad. Oh. What a cunt. So this was quite interesting because what I think had been assumed last week was that that, that half hour had been maybe spliced together from right from a couple of episodes right. and boiled down into one. But I think what we saw on Monday kind of probably disproves that. That was always what the intent was. But the Monday episode would be the second episode to what happened on Friday last week. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just not going to overthink this anymore. I have to overthink it. Right, because you're you. Mm-hmm. Can't find shit in the cupboard, but have to <laughs> overthink storylines of Coronation Street. Right. So on Monday, Yasmin's standing over Tim's dad's still body, bottle neck in hand, and she's clearly in shock. And Tim and Sally are walking home from the bistro thing and walk by Yasmin's house, remarking on how strange her behaviour was, and then what Eileen said about fighting in the street. Very odd. And it looks like in the house that Yasmin's she's checking for a pulse. Yes. And she whimpers as she gets to her feet and starts washing her hands. Sally's outside and she rings a bell, but Yasmin doesn't answer. And Tim thinks that they'll be getting their hole, and Sally throws up all over the doorstep, and they head home. What? <laughs> Meanwhile, in the pub, Kathy, Brian, Eileen, Peter, and Carla are gathered together, all gossiping about a woman leaving a pub in a bad mood. Because as far as they know, that's all that's happened. Right. Someone in a bad mood has left the pub. Well, Eileen and Kathy kind of know more, don't they? They're, they're, they're kind of. You can see the gears in both of their heads kind of turning and Kathy now that now that poor Yasmin has left the room, now all of a sudden Kathy is concerned again for her well being. I don't think she's quite at this point. But maybe in in uh 
Maybe if Yasmin treated her friends better, she would have inquired after her, says Cathy. Ugh. Brian thought the dress was a departure. And Cathy still thinks it's odd that Yasmin missed the dance wedding. She wouldn't have missed her grandson's wedding if uh, wild horses wouldn't have kept her away. She doesn't have a grandson, though. But if it was her. Yeah. What was that all about? And Eileen says that they were definitely arguing that it was Tim's dad who was the most upset. Back home, Yasmin's phone goes. It looks like it's Faye checking up on Tim's dad. Yeah, it's not It's not Yasmin's phone. It's Tim's fucking dad's phone right. because Yasmin no longer has a phone. Oh, because Tim's fucking dad's got it. Yeah. Yasmin ignores it and phones 999, telling the operator that she's killed her husband. Back in the pub, <sighs> the chat has moved to musicals, with Brian being dubbed <laughs> Mr. Musical. And he starts to sing... I don't know what you're singing. Do you know what you're singing? It was from... Um, I thought it was from Greece or Greece. No, he was singing from um, uh, West Side Story. He was, was singing, it? when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> yeah. Brian. He's a jet. And that's when we see the blue flashing lights as an ambulance and two police cars pull up outside number six. And of course, the whole street goes out to get a nosy. Tim rushes to see what's happened. Inside, the paramedics are tending to him while the police speak with Yasmin. In comes Tim, confused by the blood, and jumping to the conclusion that Tim's dad got injured uh, tackling a burglar. Sure. He's alive, though. He's still breathing. Outside, Ryan has been able to muster up enough interest to go out in the street. He asks about Yasmin and then, inexplicably, asks if anyone in the gathered crowd has phoned Alia yet. And they just stare at him. <laughs> what a stupid thing to ask. Why, why would I phone Alia? Yeah, and then he's like, Oh, well, I, I guess I'd better go do that right. then. Tim rides along in the ambulance with his dad, Sally following on, and Yasmin comes out of the house with a police officer, and it's obvious she's still very shocked and confused. Sally offers to take Yasmin to the hospital, but the police say, Not so fast, Sally. And Yasmin <laughs> is arrested on suspicion of assault and is loaded into the back of the police car. Everyone is shocked. Sally looks at Yasmin through the window of the police car, utterly confused. There was a really nice mm. shot. You could see Yasmin and then you could see Sally's reflection when yes. the blue light flashed up on her. That was excellent. Yeah, that was a really nice shot. Yep. At the station, Yasmin's clothes are taken as evidence and she's given a tracksuit to wear. And they're very, they're very, at this point, they're very soft with her. They're very kind with her, mm-hmm. you know, and very gentle with her. I wish that would have continued. <laughs> she's led to the interview room where Imran is waiting for her. She's worried that she doesn't have the passwords, she says, and it takes Imran a second to realise that she's talking about his fee. That's not important right now, he says, and he tells her to take a seat. All she's bothered about is finding out how Tim's dad is doing. She thought he was dead. He asks her to start from the top. Was there an argument? Had they been drinking? Are they going to find her fingerprints on the wine bottle? And she explains she hit him, and then it was quiet. Meanwhile, the police are interviewing Brian and Cathy in the pub. They give brief information about... I don't know why that's funny. It's just Brian. Yeah. Somebody asking Brian. Brian is just awful. (laughs) They give brief information about what had happened earlier, how Yasmin and Tim's dad looked like they'd been arguing. Brian is next to useless and and sees fit to say that Yasmin had a drinking problem. (sighs) He then tries to fish for information, speculating that this was a burglary gone wrong, but the PC tells Brian to go fuck himself. Also, Ryan tells Carla that he got hold of Alia, who's on the next plane home. Controversial. Controversial. Brian deserved to be bullied last year. (laughs) Controversial, I know, but true. I'm just so tired of his buffoonery. Yeah. Especially when it comes to this storyline. You know, it works with the funnier storylines, but I just want him to shut the fuck up. He's such a busybody. 
And not continually seems to pick up the wrong end of the stick. Yeah. The shitty end. Yep. At the hospital, Faye and Sally joined Tim at Tim's dad's bedside. Why all of a sudden is Faye concerned about her grandfather? I've never seen them together in a scene ever. Uh, uh, until now. Until now. And now all of a sudden she's in, in, inviting him to the to the bistro for the tasting menu and you know, rushing to his bedside and, and texting him and acting like he's the best grandfather ever. Right. Never seen them together in a scene. <laughs> this is looking grim, says Tim. <laughs> Didn't realise that rhymed. Grim Tim. And he asks where Yasmin has got to. Tim says, Sally, they've arrested her. And then Tim's dad, then Tim looks at his dad and says, imagine a world without Tim's dad. <laughs> which which we've been doing for some time. Yes. In the interview room, we're introduced to the fucking ray of sunshine that is D.S. Abney and her silent sidekick. A.K.A. Fred Armisen in a wig. <laughs> D.C. Chowdhury. Abney immediately starts making... Uh, Abney immediately starts asking aggressive questions to Yasmin, who clearly is still in shock. Imran reminds Yasmin that she doesn't have to say anything. Abney thinks it's better if Yasmin cooperates. An aggressive questioning continues, and Yasmin can barely answer, but she mentions something about a knife, then says how hungry she was. Did you lash out? I just needed it to stop, says uh, Yasmin. Imran points out how fragile Yasmin is and tries to stop the interview, but instead, they play back the 999 call in which Yasmin says that she killed her husband. It's a weird call because the operator sounds like she's far away and Yasmin sounds like she's close. Hmm. It's like they just used the recording from the actual scene. Right. Yasmin says again that she just wanted it to stop. Imran finally manages to get the interview halted and the uh, bad cop, silent cop, leave. I'm useless, says Yasmin. And Tim's dad, Tim's dad's always saying that I never got anything right. Outside the room, Imran is talking with Abney. She's still way too aggressive, but seems happy to share her thinking and how she wants to piece this case together, which seems odd telling the defence lawyer. Right, yeah. Imran insists Yasmin is of good character. She hasn't said anything about the circumstances and we don't know if it was her who attacked him or it could be self-defence. Abney points out that she did hit him twice and that doesn't sound like self-defence to her. And why did she wait to dial 999? Because she was in shock. Mm -hmm. And also, how piss poor is this investigation (laughs) that before they go and talk to people, they don't investigate these people see if either one of them has a record Mm -hmm. and and you know maybe touch upon the fact that one of them has contacted the police recently to find out if the other one has a history of abuse because i'm sure those police women work there somewhere in that building surely surely somebody should you know reach out to them and say hey i've noticed that there was a request put into you what do you know about all of this no, none of that is ever done, not only not only by the investigators, but Imran. Come on. I don't know. I this this storyline it, it, it doesn't infuriate me as much as I thought it was going to, but I'm still infuriated. The same just Monday I was infuriated. The percentage of of women who get violently attacked and killed by their partners is so much higher than than women actually lashing out and and killing their abusers that it's just this whole thing still just sticks in my craw so much even though it doesn't stick in my craw as much 
as I was worried that it would. It did on Monday, um, just because of the aggression of the of Abney. Mm-hmm. It just it seemed to come out. Uh, it didn't even seem to want to even entertain the notion that there might be something that's going on here that, that is below the surface. That tiny wee woman uh-huh. who's like a foot shorter than her husband and much thinner and frailer than her husband. I, I just don't, is the aggressor. I just don't see that interview ever working out like that at uh, the start. It just it was just a really, really strange tact for them to use. It's you know, and, and the way she's so dismissive when Imran says, you know, she's she doesn't have a record. She's never done anything like this in her life before. And the way she's so dismissive of that, you know, and not saying just that. not even not even considering the fact that this could be abuse. It was just such a bizarre reaction. You anyway. know. So Imran goes back in and begs Yasmin to take his advice. She needs to do what he says so that he can build a case for her. She needs to think before she speaks, but he'd rather that she just didn't speak at all. She tells him that she did it. He doesn't want her to lie. She just doesn't have to say anything. If Tim's dad dies, she might be up for murder. She needs to stop talking to the police and start talking to him. Which I think is, is good advice. Yes. On Wednesday, Yasmin is in the cells and in a world of her own. She gets up and starts cleaning a wall. Oh, God, Eesh. that was horrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, forensics are going through the house, taking photos, bagging evidence and ignoring CCTV. I, well, they're not ignoring it. It's it's hidden. But the fact the fact that we see it, mm-hmm. the fact that we see it, we have a shot from the point of view of that camera, mm-hmm. it gives me hope. <laughs> and the fact that they bagged the um, cell phone, that they're going right. to go over the cell phone. In the hospital, Tim and Sally are with Tim's dad. Tim realises that Yasmin tried to kill him. In comes DS Abney, who seems friendly uh, to the Metcalfs. Tim tries to quiz her on the interview with Yasmin, but Abney won't be drawn. She's confessed, says Tim. She's a murderer. Then Cathy's at Eileen's and they're comparing notes. Eileen reveals that it looked like Tim's dad locked her in the house. And Cathy suddenly remembers that she was in the house when Tim's dad stopped at Yasmin. But then again, couples argue. Yeah, but that was more than an argument, Cathy, yeah. that is your real name. Eileen then brings up how Tim's dad locked her in a box. Oh, yeah, that was a Jigglet Jeff thing. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is something no, different. No, this is when he actually locked her in a box. How does Kathy not know about this? Right. Ryan is pacing around the police station when Alia bursts in with her suitcase. Ryan fills her in, but not like that, and explains that Yasmin might have killed Tim's dad. And at the hospital, Tim's dad wakes up in a panic. The nurses try to relax him as he blurts out, She tried to kill me! She tried to kill me! And later, Imran comes out. Yasmin is still shaking, but Tim's dad has woken up, so at least the <coughs> murder charge goes away. Imran explains what the 999 call sounded like, and Ayo says it must have been self-defence, and Imran agrees, but Yasmin is taking responsibility. The best thing they can hope for at the moment is Tim's dad's version of events, and it, if it contradicts the 999 call. Mm. Then later, Abney's with Tim's dad, asking what happened. She, he says uh, they were arguing about her drinking as usual, and she hit him. Sally doesn't look convinced, and Tim's dad has no idea why she attacked him. Mm. Then Alia turns up at the hospital and sees Sally going into a room with a jug of water, and she bursts in and tells Abney that Yasmin was just trying to protect herself from Tim's dad's abuse. It's been going on for months. It really has been going on for months. Yes. Tim's dad denies it, but Alia can't be quietened. Yasmin's terrified of him 
she says, all these lies and rinsing the business of the cash. Tim wants her out. Sally thinks this isn't the time or the place. And Tim's dad says, it's okay, it must be hard on Arya too. And Arya explodes at this. Don't you fucking dare. Pretend to be Mr. Nice Guy now, she says. She calls him evil and wishes Jasmine had finished the job. She leaves the room and is followed by Abney and her silent partner. And Tim's dad looks rattled. And again, Sally looks like she smells shite here. Mm Mm-hmm. On Friday, Alia and Abney are in the hall. Alia, dub- Alia doubles down on her accusations and brings up the Claire's Law request. I was like, thank God she mentioned that. Mm-hmm. This is seen and heard by Sally and DS Pointless also arrives in the scene. Alia, re- Alia explains how Tim's dad has been manipulating and controlling her for months and gaslit her and believing that she was an alky. She pleads to Sally. She pleads to Sally. You know my grand, she says. You know something's not right here. And DS Pointless ushers Alia away and Abney and Sally go back into the room. Tim's dad says, Alia's always hated me. Yeah, for a good reason. In the Rovers, Kathy has beaten herself up for letting Yasmin for letting the Yasmin situation go so wrong. They were friends. She should have helped. Yes, Kathy, you should have. Absolutely, fucking should have. <laughs> Abney asks about Yasmin's drinking. Uh, he confirms it, and then claims that Yasmin has beaten him up a couple of times in the past. She's <laughs> so, so stupid. Shit. Abney says he has an ex- uh, he has experience of this, and Tim pipes up that yeah, Tim's mum was also a violent alky, but she was called Tess. Oh, no, that's not what I'm talking about, says Abney. What about Jocelyn Walker, who you had a violent incident with? It's on your record, and this is news to Tim. Who the fuck is Jocelyn Walker, he says. Tim's dad plays it down. She could have been your mum, Tim. Says he made a stupid joke in the pub, and she started hitting him. Abney's curious that this is incident number three that Tim's dad has been beaten up by alcoholic women. Tim's dad sees where this is going and protests, and Tim insists that Yasmin is a psychotic lush, and Sally sits uncomfortably throughout this. Ugh. In the rovers, Imran is furious at Alia. Whatever happened before, Yasmin admitted to uh, lamping Tim's dad. So if Tim's dad is playing the victim, it's because he is in this situation. Imran advises keeping her mouth shut. She can't be seen to be trying to influence potential witnesses. Then Kathy comes along and apologises for not knowing. Alia's not having it. You never noticed all the slide digs about her drinking, all the cruel jokes. Minus several million points for our observations, he says. Imran leads Alia out of the pub before heading back to the police station. Yasmin is getting interviewed again, and Abney is much calmer now. The police tell her that Tim's dad will be okay. Now tell me what happened. Yasmin says that she can't remember, but she remembers a knife, and she panicked. Apparently Tim's dad says that he'd put the knife down, and then Yasmin breaks down. She wants to see, she wants to see Tim's dad. She just wants to say that she's sorry. At the hospital, Tim asks Tim's dad why he never said anything about this, and Tim's dad said he didn't want to hurt Tim like the time he told him about Tim's mum. So the only thing that Tim knows about his mum is what Tim's dad's told her. Told him. Yes. Yeah. Tim's been gaslit his whole life by this asshole. Right. Just... It doesn't make any sense how Tim has grown up to be like a decent human being mm-hmm. if he's grown up with only this thing as a parent. Right. Sally says it's time to go and Tim's dad thanks him for everything and Sally is not fooled by any of this anymore. No. Back at the station, the police thank Yasmin for, for whatever she's told him. She wants to see Tim's dad, but that's a non-starter. And then we seem to jump ahead to the future to a pre-trial thing where someone reads out that Yasmin is charged with Tim's dad's attempted murder. Oh, and they show they show her a picture of his of the stab, and yeah, and Imran right. is pissed right. at this, and let's put that away now. I don't I don't think she needs to be traumatized further by this. Right, and that's when like she she confesses and you know tells them all this bullshit. But we don't. 
All this happens off. Right. This seems kind of important. Right. And that's how we end this week's episodes. <sighs> surely, surely the police can't say can't look at Tim's dad's record and say, "Gee, he only goes out with these women who he claims are violent lushes." Mm-hmm. Surely somebody puts two and two together at some point. It looks like Sally's putting two and two, putting two, and two together. Yeah, but- Tim's not, but. Sally looks like Tim's she's... been gaslit his whole life. Tim is just as much of a victim of Tim's dad as Yasmin is. This is all... I mean, I still don't think this is the, the right path for this story to take. No, I don't either. But seeing Sally's reaction is making me quite interested in it again. And the fact I that mean, it seems like Kathy is has finally come round. And Alia's just not letting and us go. And Eileen was never fooled. Right. So, uh, although Eileen never tells the police that she locked that she saw Tim's dad lock Yasmin in the house, and nobody tells the police about the box except for Alia, and Tim says, "Oh, not this again," right? And then that's it. <laughs> so, seeing that all these people start to add it all up and come to the correct conclusion is they have for the, the moment interesting. They have the phone. Which I'm assuming still had, and the laptop. So, which I'm assuming will have evidence of Tim's dad hooking up with hookers, and somebody's got to find that that CCTV. Yeah, I'm just worried that it's not going to happen quickly. No, it doesn't even it. it from the interview that I read with Ian McLeod, it sounds like they haven't even filmed the end of the story yet oh so yeah (laughs) well we have approximately a month's worth of episodes left yes what's that how many episodes is that 12 got 12 half hours left with six hours left of story yeah even six hours when you knock off the commercial breaks that's how much we've got left to get this to some well there's i guess there's there's two conclusions. There's a conclusion of of Yasmin right. now realizing how coerced she's been, right? And then there's the ramifications of what happens to Tim's dad, right? Afterwards, so yes. I don't, maybe we don't get to the second part, but hopefully we get to the first part, yeah. Where she realizes that just how manipulated she's been, yeah. And hopefully that happens before she has to stand up and say whether she's pleads guilty or not guilty to something, right? Which sounded like that's what she was about to do. Yeah. You're charged with attempted murder. How do you mm. plead? I think is usually how, mm. if I've learned anything from Perry Mason and Rumpole of the Bailey, it's uh, <laughs> after the charge is read that you have to respond to that charge. And, right. Or make no declaration. Uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing that shot that we've seen of uh, David and Sally walking down those stairs to get locked up. Oh, with Yasmin, I don't want to see that. No. Take her down. But not like that. Right, she, she's so small now. So frail looking. So so much more than she ever was before. I don't, I don't know if it's the, the clothing that she's wearing is making her look... I guess some of it's the act and the way that she's kind of bringing right. herself into herself and, and kind of I, huddled. I think the clothing, both the red dress and the, the sweat... Because it's all of a sudden you look, my God, there's nothing to her. There's really not. 
She's so the bone. fact that the police seem to think she's this dangerous killer. Wait. Just use your eyes, people. Right, the, the, she's sitting across from you. You must be able to see how traumatized she is. And tiny. And how she's shaken and, and how she can't form a sentence. psychologically just damaged and in shock. I, it shocks me that they're allowed to interview her when she's in that state. Right. Imran tried to protest, but to no avail. Right, because she seems to want to, you know, confess. And she seems to think that it's all her fault. Which, again, is so infuriating because a few weeks ago, when he attacked Alia, which I'm surprised Alia didn't bring up the fact that he attacked her, Mm -hmm. that he threatened her and pushed her up against a wall and stuff, it seemed like... Yasmin had finally snapped back into being sensible. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden she just plummets to the point where she's using her sleeve to scrub bricks on a wall in a prison cell. Right. I don't know. There was a still of a a shot of Yasmin from maybe maybe two years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like a completely different person. Absolutely. Like her face is full and she's smiling and her eyes are alive and bright. And bright, yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this is, what a transformation this has been. Quite remarkable, really, when you think about it. Absolutely. Do you think we're going to finally meet Tim's dad, or Tim's mum? I suspect that she's dead. I was hoping that Tim's mum was going to make an appearance in the storyline. Yeah. And that was going to be one of the catalysts to, right. to the end. I'd really like to... To see Tim's mum? Yeah, because I can't imagine a mother just... Although, if it's for her own safety, you know, Mm -hmm. just leaving Tim in the clutches of Tim's dad. I think you might be right. (laughs) We have (laughs) neighbours who are working on... Their roof. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're re-shingling their roof. And they are not respecting the fact that we're recording a podcast, (laughs) which is frankly just rude. So you might hear some circular circular saws saws and and drills and electric hammers and stuff. Anyway, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not pleased, but I'm not as upset as I was. We were furious last week. Let's, let's, let's face it. Last week we were furious. Yeah. We hated this. Yeah. I still hate it, but I don't hate it as much because it does seem like Kathy is coming around. And even 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 Peter seemed to sort of think maybe I have this whole she's an elky thing wrong too. Like even Peter and Carla were like this something doesn't sit right with all of this. Mm-hmm. You know. With their banter. I don't know. I I believe I believe that even if Tess doesn't show up that we're going to find out more things about Tim's dad and Tim and I think Tim's going to be in for quite a few shocks. Right. You know, and his whole life is going to be a lie, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's but, going to be that moment where where Sally tells him that she doesn't believe Tim's dad. No. And that's going to be an awkward conversation. Right. And I don't think Tim's going to go along with that. No. So that's going to cause some tension there. Yeah. 
will he eventually come round? I kind of assume so. Yeah. There will be no redemption arc for Tim's dad. No, it would be impossible. That would be really irresponsible of them to do. No, uh, yeah. That, I, I assume he's... Not long for the show. I assume he's going to have to die. <laughs> or go to <clears throat> prison or something. I'm not even sure prison is an acceptable uh, conclusion to this. I think for this to satisfy anyone, that bacon slice of moment I don't know. still has to harm. I, I think I'd much rather he go to prison for a very, very long time and suffer for a very, very long time. Because death is too quick. This is true. Maybe the the final ignominy. Am I saying that? Is that right? Is that a word? Is Tim turning on Tim's dad? Hmm. Oh, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. And you know that's going to happen when he knows that he really is alone. What? But that revelation about uh, after everything I told you about your mum. Uh huh. Oh, it was just. Such a oh dear Tim! <laughs> Everything that you've been told about your mother is just through this through lens this, of this asshole of, of your asshole father. Oh dear! Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, moment of the week. Nina and Asha. What was our moment of the week last week? Asha and Dev. Asha again. Yes. I'm, 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 Doubling down on this. Either that or David and Gail. Do you want to give it to David and Gail? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that was a particularly... Well, no, when she's like, you know, you're you're old enough and you've, you've gone through all of this stuff and, you know... Yeah, but it's wrong because he's not coping. Well, he's coping in his way. And I think, I think what she was doing before, the whole nagging and everything, that certainly wasn't helping, so... Can we sneak Roy into the Nina thing? I love that little conversation about Victorian. <laughs> yeah, but it's really Nina telling Asha to own it. That's mm-hmm. the moment of the week bit. Mm-hmm. Not Roy and and Nina trading Victorian quotes. <laughs> Nina punching the boy? I, I, I'm trying to just not give it to Asha, Asha. again. This would only be the second time in the history of our show that we've given it to Asha. No, we've given it to her before. Oh, yes, yes, for the yes, the, the mirror scene. So she had, This would be the third time. I, I think we've done it in the last eight weeks. This, this would be the third time we've given it to her in the last eight weeks, I think. Fine. Nina punching that stupid little boy is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Oh, gosh. Brian's singing show tunes. That was funny. It was funny, but I can't think of anything that was boring. Uh, David doing laundry. David doing laundry definitely is our <laughs> boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. There we go. We got there in the end. Anything else? No. Should I we wrap this one up? Yes, please. Well, ah. Get okay then. If you've ever put anything you shouldn't in a washing machine, drop us a line. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com for evil and the same. For evil. <laughs> it's all corrected to evil. Why would it do that? <laughs> you read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy. You just <laughs> go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> just put it in front of me. 
put it in front of me and I'll read it. For evil. So for any evil that you want us to do with the talk of the street at gmail.com, we're the same on Skype for voicemail or PayPal for virtual droppings into our virtual tip jar. Please, there's a pandemic going on. Otherwise, we're at Quarry Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk, talk of the, of the street. street. Bye. Bye.